Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. And joining me to get you ready for NFL Week 7 action is Elliot Christ, Chief Operating Officer at FTN Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at Elliot Christ. Elliot, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's been a while. I think it's, it's been a full year, man. I, I miss you. I'm pumped to be back. Yes, and I'm excited to have you back because we're going to be jamming about this upcoming week. But first, let's do a quick recap of NFL Week 6 and then get to our picks for Week 7. And let's look at the stats for the week. These come from Jason Logan. You can follow him on Twitter at CoversJLo. Favorites just 5-9 and nine on the week last, year, last week. Dogs are barking. Home favorites just 3-6. and six. Uh, The big thing that stood out to me is on the season, favorites of 2.5 points or less, just 3-14 and 14 on the year. Primetime favorites, just 6-14. and 14. So this is something to think about when we talk about our Week 7 these short home favorites, they are not cashing in much at all. Looking at the over-unders, one of the big things we talked about on the podcast was, will we see some regression from all the overs hitting? Well, guess what? It happened 4-10 and 10 to the under last week on the season, 47-43-1 to the over. Um, so there was a little bit of regression. And then one other thing of note that we talked about was first half overs were crushing and they cooled off a bit last week going just six and eight, um, against the spread. So Elliot, any thoughts, uh, right off the top in terms of, have you been on favorites or dogs or how have you been doing the total side of things? Yeah. So, I mean, I took an over approach to start the year because I thought the lack of reps would actually hurt defenses more than offenses. Um, and they, the numbers didn't really adjust quickly enough. At this point, they've definitely adjusted. I tend to treat each game as its own individual um, event and not necessarily look at a league-wide trend. Um, and that, that's really been my approach. I, I take each game, break it down analytically, and see if there are advantages and what my projection numbers are compared to what the actual projected numbers are and try to find the greatest differences for bets. I love that because trends are by no means the end all be all. They're more the end of a story. But as we saw when the season started, the over total started climbing each week to getting above 50. So there was a narrative there when it was crushing. Uh, it was another good week on the pod, went two and one with our picks. Our pick a loser, nice and simple. We picked against the Jets and against the Giants. And our uncomfortable bets were actually the Dolphins and Washington. Why? The Dolphins were laying a huge number in Washington. Well, we don't exactly feel comfortable betting on Washington on a consistent basis. The only blemish, our big Mick Moneyline Parlay of the Week lost for the second consecutive week thanks to the New England Patriots laying a major egg against the Broncos. Did not see that coming anywhere. Um, and one of the things that I really like about doing the big Mick Moneyline Parlay of the Week is the goal is to create a winning bet. But guess what? It is not easy to create winning bets, even if we're Moneyline parlaying them. Elliot, I'm curious, do you play with Moneyline bets much? Um, I do uh, occasionally. With parlays, right, the, the books make their biggest return on parlays, and it's why they advertise them so heavily, right? It's, they're constantly trying to push you to do it. Uh, though last week I did have 
a Ravens, Dolphins, Patriots money line parlay. So they, they hurt me just like they hurt you guys. Uh, there, there are opportunities when I think two teams are very safe to win. I, I will look to do that. One of the things I like to do is now that FanDuel and MGM and PointsBet have correlated uh, player prop parlays, I like to do those. So you can tell a story where this team, if they're going to win, they're really going to rely on their run game, which will slow things down. So you can bet on the running back yards over, hit the score, touchdown, and the game under. And all of a sudden, you've told yourself a story that's correlated for plus 800. I think that's the best way to attack parlays at the moment. I love that mindset because that's essentially what you're doing is you're visualizing how this game is going to unfold. So if it goes your way, let's start hitting those specific metrics of how that'll happen. Exactly. So in, in, if, if, the, if the Jaguars against the Lions, for example, last week, and this bet didn't hit, but I thought if they were going to win that game, they were going to take advantage of the fact that the Lions were one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, lean on James Robinson, and that's how they'd win the game. There wouldn't be a ton of points because they'd be bleeding the clock. And that paid out eight to one. Now, obviously the Lions ended up winning, the bet didn't hit, but I would much rather take that than the Jaguars plus 130 if I can get that situation at plus 800. And, and I love this because you're talking about the process so often and certainly on Twitter. Um, we can't lose a bet if we're someone who shares our betting, but I'm more <laughs> about the process of how we do things. And I think that is so smart because you can weave together the narrative and you can see where the value may lie because um, sometimes it will go in your favor. And remember, you're sitting there getting plus 800. So let's do that eight times and let's see what those results are. And my guess is you're going to come out positive. Right. It's, I think the biggest thing that people struggle with is that, you know, even if you do this, I mean, I do this for a living. I don't bet for a living, but I, I mean, I bet a fair, I bet a ton and I also work in this industry for a living. I'm not going to win every bet. That's never going to happen. My goal is to try to create as many positive expected value outcomes as I can and live with the results at the end of the season. So I'm trying to find situations where I think a guy has a great opportunity to hit. Zeke is a great example this week where I, I thought that Dalton would rely on him. The Cardinals weren't great at covering running backs and I thought they would pummel him with targets and they did. He got 11 targets. He got over his re uh, receiving yards prop by one yard. But if you give me 11 Zeke, targets every week right I'm going to take the over 30 and a half it barely hit it did get there but there's you know it was looking real bad for a long time but if I lost that bet I would have tipped my hat and said you know what I'm going to take it again the next time I'm curious if you see more of an advantage on situations that might have change in them. So for example, they go from Dak to Andy Dalton. So you say, all right, I realize that they may rely on Zeke more out of the backfield. Is that something where you believe you can be a step ahead of the books where they may not be as likely to catch up as you may see just having your regular spider senses of sports better? Yes and no. Right. I think it depends. Right. And it's, it's going to be a theme when you ask me these types of questions that I think the answer is it depends on the situation because sometimes books will over adjust. Sometimes books will adjust correctly and sometimes they won't adjust enough. Now you can get yourself limited, right. Um, by taking advantage of injury situations, especially in the NBA. But, you know, I remember Devonte Adams got ruled out and against um, the Falcons on Monday night football. And for two or three hours, they didn't adjust any Robert Tanyan props and he was still plus 400 to score a touchdown they changed it around three o'clock in the afternoon to plus 125 i'm not someone that typically goes after touchdown bets because there's so much variance in there but if you give me a starting player that's going to be the top option in the passing game at plus 400 i'm going to take my shot 
So I think those kind of situations are great. I do think sometimes the books over adjust and you don't want to just necessarily chase what you think is going to happen. It's one of the tools I really like using over at um, FTN is the splits tool. And you can take players in and out of games and see how it impacts totals and spreads and, and other players, whether it's their targets or yards or dot or whatever it is. And you can start getting data to back these decisions. So one thing that I've noticed that is changing more is teams going for two or using data to say, when should we go be going for two versus going for one? We're seeing a lot more aggression on these weird numbers. And we're even seeing the guys in the booth, not exactly getting it. It's like some of them get it. Some of them are like, this makes no sense whatsoever, but I really like it because it seems like it's a lot more geared towards winning, not necessarily just tying the game it's like uh, we're seeing that right now when we're getting around 10 and 11 in some of these things but guess what this is actually going to do this is going to change key numbers a little bit for us like right now two and a half is all of a sudden a lot more attractive because how many games are we seeing that are landing on one or two depending on these teams going for two points yeah i mean absolutely right you used to say if it's less than a field goal it's not that different than a money line now it is and washington is a great example depending on where you got them, right? They, they opened at plus three. I think they closed at plus one. If you took those points, even when it got to plus two and a half, you won your bet because Riverboat Ron, right? And that's a situation where I think understanding coaches' tendencies is, is really important, right? There are guys who are more analytically driven, like Jim Harbaugh of the uh, Ravens, right? They go for it a lot more. They're going to be aggressive. If they're down 14, they might go for two and try to set up a situation where they can win uh, on an extra point. In worst case scenario, they have a 50-50 shot to tie the game. So understanding those coaches or the Mike McCarthy on the other side, right, kicking a field goal down 25 points, <laughs> Adam Gase just trying not to get shut out. There are coaches who have proven to be more conservative, coaches who are proven to adopt analytics. And I, I think going after those coaches is, is really smart, especially, you know, you mentioned money lines, but they're playing the odds, the mathematical odds, to increase their chance to win. So I'm more likely going to be attracted to those teams. And shout out to Riverboat. Ron, I saw that, and they were going for two, which, oh, by the way, I was on Washington, but I also, as a sports fan, if I was rooting for Washington, I would have wanted them to go for two in that exact same situation there. What about you? Yeah, no, listen, your, your odds to win in that spot, I think you've got about a 53% chance of conversion, are better than relying on a coin flip with which if you lose your odds are now like in the 35 percentile range so like yeah i'm gonna i'd rather trust my team than a coin flip yes amen to that so this week there's one narrative to me that stands out above most bounce back week so looking at the teams that were bad or disappointing in week six and there's four of them that stand out to me green bay Cleveland, New England, and the Rams, teams that were blown out or didn't look good. On the Because the reason that I'm mentioning this is we like to back teams that look bad. On the flip side, teams who are coming off a very good win, most of the time I am looking to fade them which is a great segue to the first segment we're going to do, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So this is a bet where we don't exactly feel great about. And for me, 
Give me the Rams minus six taking on the Bears. And I'm going to add something new to this. I'm going to give an uncomfortable rating scale. So now we can know how uncomfortable I am in this. And I'm going to give this one an Isaac Bruce, an 80 out of 100. And the reason for this is six points is a big number for the Rams in a game where you look at the Bears, they're hot right now. They're what? They're five and one. They've got a good defense. You can see them winning this game. So right now, to me, the Bears are at the pinnacle of where they're at in this season. The Rams right now coming off a disappointing loss against the 49ers. That game wasn't close pretty much the entire time. So for me, I see this as a good bounce back opportunity for the Rams, albeit I feel very uncomfortable with laying that big of a number. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's a situation where the Rams were overvalued last week, right? The look-ahead line of the 49ers was minus three, and then the line shifted six points after the Niners got blown out by the Dolphins, and people overreacted. So then the team that should have been favored won the game, and now we're going to go back to overreacting this week. Yes, the Bears are 5-1. and one. Yes, the Bears are the worst 5-1 and one team in the NFL. Um, we have a tool called Expected Fantasy Points and um, Expected uh, Defense First Position, which is more fantasy oriented, but I think it's really helpful in this situation where you can see the teams that are due most for aggression, teams that have played over their head the most. It's the Bears. It's not even remotely close. Like the Bears have performed over expectation across the board. So I really like the Rams as a bounce back candidate here. My personal team this week is the Cleveland Browns. No, that situation for them last week was just set up for disaster. This is a team that historically has struggled with pressure, taking on the team that generates more pressure than any other team in the NFL and the Steelers. They got down. They, they were missing their, their star guard and Wyatt Teller, who's been the highest graded guard in all of football per PFF this year. And they just got blown out. This is a team that has dominated bad teams. And now they get the Bengals. And the Bengals are a bad team. They don't stop quarterbacks. They don't stop running backs. They don't stop receivers. And they don't stop tight ends. Boys and girls, that's all the positions. Like, they, they are a bad football team. But this game happened on Thursday Night Football, what, in week two? In the same spot, the, the Browns obviously ended up getting backdoored and didn't cover the game, and it was a six-point total. But in the same spot, the Browns came out and absolutely blew the doors off the Bengals. They, they dominated them in the trenches, and I expect them to do that again this week. So I think the Browns, now that it's, especially that it's a field goal, I think that's a really good value bet at minus three. And that completely goes with the narrative that we just talked about. So let's get to our pick a loser of the week. And the goal of this bet is to think differently. We want to identify a team that is going to be a losing bet. And you know what? We're going to keep going back to the well with the New York Jets getting 13 and a half versus the Bills. But I do want to give a caveat. This is only if Joe Flacco is the quarterback, because if Joe Flacco is the quarterback, it is an auto play. And we're recording this on Wednesday. And I saw that there might be some light practice out of Sam Darnold. But if it is Joe Flacco again, sign me up for fading the the Jets until further notice. In the event that Sam Darnold is the quarterback, give me instead the Saints minus seven and a half as my pick a loser. And the reason for this is when I looked at this week's slate, the very first number that stood out to me was Carolina plus seven and a half. So for me, that is my provisional ball. Like we're playing golf and I hit it into the woods and maybe I'm going to find it. That's what I'm rolling with. Elliot, what about you? What's your pick-a-loser of the week? I mean, for me, it's the Jets. I don't think 
you know, I, we keep hearing sharp money comes in on the Jets each week. And then they're losing games by 18.7 points, and they are losing games against the spread by double the next closest team in the Jacksonville Jaguars by over 11 points against the spread. I don't think people realize how bad that is. Like, I think one of the things – people struggle to handicap this team is this is arguably the worst head coach in football history and arguably the worst football team in history. They've they haven't scored more than one offensive touchdown. They, they did it once this year and it came in the last drive of the game. This is a team that can, has like a ceiling of 14 points with Joe Flacco. They, they are, according to PFF, they are bottom passing bottom five, passing the ball, running the ball, pass blocking, run blocking, stopping the run and stopping the pass and pass rush. They're, they don't have anything they're good at. And the thing they really struggle with is the deep ball. And Josh Allen is one of the best deep ball receivers. They've, they've gone uh, four wide a ton. I think John Brown, um, Stefan Diggs, who's been one of the best offseason acquisitions, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, they're going to spread them out and they're going to take vertical shots downfield. And they should have a ton of success. So I think pick the Jets as a loser. And if Sam Darnold does come back, you know, the line probably drops to 10. And then I would – you know, bet the, the bills at that number. I haven't placed this wager yet because I want to see that news. But as long as it stays under 14, I'm very comfortable backing the Buffalo Bills. And I'm on board with you on that. I will look to get the different number of Sam Darnold is there. And, oh, by the way, I still believe in Buffalo. They're coming off two straight losses right there. But I believe they're a good team. And while watching the game against the Chiefs, I felt like they belonged. It didn't mean they were as good as the Chiefs. But we saw that they have the ability offensively to really show some firepower. And what ended up killing them was a lack of a run defense. But remember, they were only about four inches of Edwards Hilaire's knee being down from getting that ball and that fumble and all of a sudden getting the opportunity to go up one point with less than three minutes left in the game. Yeah. (laughs) The Bills also have a history, and Josh Allen especially, of beating up bad teams. Josh Allen's best performances historically have come against subpar competition. You don't get more subpar than this. Um, and like you said, the Bills' biggest <laughs> Bills' biggest struggle is stopping the tight end. Chris Herndon is averaging like four yards a catch and stopping running backs. And Frank Gore is like 89 years old. <laughs> like the Jets, the Jets don't really have much to threaten you with outside of Josh Allen having like a fluky fumble and interception. And that's how the Jets stay close in the game. I mean, look at the Broncos game, right, that the, the Jets almost won against a third-string quarterback that had zero practices that week. Um, and the Jets still only scored one offensive touchdown. Like, this, this, is, this is a team that can't really score. That Once the Bills get over 20, they should be pretty comfortably scoring or covering this game, and their team total is um, – I haven't checked out what their team total is, but I know it's probably 20, 24 to 27 in this one. All right, so let's get to the Big Mick Moneyline Parlay of the Week. Our goal is to create a winning bet. And I've been having challenges in putting these together because the NFL lines have been relatively tight. So when looking at this, the biggest point spreads that I'm seeing, um, we've got the Bills, who will be in mine at minus 13 and a half. You've got the Saints, minus seven and a half. Not exactly in love with that. Chiefs, minus nine and a half. Sign me up for that. Chargers, minus seven and a half. Not really in love with that either. Rams minus six. While I am betting that is my uncomfortable bet, not exactly thrilled with tripling down on that. So because of this, I had to mix in some college and welcome back Big Ten football. So I've got a seven-team money line parlay. Pays out plus 164. 
Give me the Bills minus 670, the Chiefs minus 420. The last one that I actually added was the Packers minus 177. They're in a very good bounce back spot after getting throttled by Tampa. Sign me up for that and betting against Romeo Cornell. Give me Kansas State plus 3,000 taking on Kansas. Kansas continues to be an auto bet against, so I'll probably be on Kansas State um, minus 20 and a half anyways. Uh, give me Ohio State minus 5,000 taking on Nebraska. They're going to lay the wood to them. Give me UCF minus 1,100 taking on Tulane. Shout out to Tulane last week for covering UCF the last two weeks. I don't know what in the world has happened to them. They're a team that could very easily be undefeated, but they keep making mistakes and kicking themselves in the foot. And then the last one, give me Alabama minus 3,000 taking on Tennessee. Uh, that's one of those things. I just don't see Alabama uh, losing to Tennessee. To quickly recap that because I know that was a lot. Packers, Bills, Chiefs. Kansas State, Ohio State, UCF, and Alabama. Elliot, do you have a big Mick Moneyline parlay of the week? That's a big one right there. And, you know, I just want to, uh, you know, plug the parlay calculator over on uh, FTN Bets, which is completely free and very relevant to this, where you can basically take your parlay that you just did right now and pick every game, and we'll tell you which book pays out the best. And that's one of the big things if you're going to do these parlays. You mentioned plus 160. It's plus 174 over at points bet, but it's only plus 150 on DraftKings. And you want to always make sure you can maximize that completely free, unique to our website. So a way to make sure you can always do that. I'm going to go with a, a couple team totals in a situation that I like. And over on MGM, you can take alt team totals and, and buy some teams down. So I have the Falcons over 21 and a half against the Lions defense. That's abysmal across the board. They're at home in a high total game. The Texans over 21 and a half. I really agree with you about the Packers. Uh, the, the Texans offense is in a phenomenal spot this week. Deshaun Watson is completing 85% of his passes from a clean pocket. The Packers are bottom three pressuring quarterbacks. So this is a game where he should have an opportunity to, to let it fly. I do think the Packers win this game something like 35-28. Uh, and then the Saints over 23 and a half. Their offensive line is one of the best in football. And pre uh, limiting pressure, the Panthers are bottom three in getting pressure. They're also one of the best teams at creating space in the running game. And we know the Panthers are just abysmal on the ground. So I think the saints are going to rack up points at home as well. So that one pays out at plus plus one thirty-six. That's Falcons over 21 and a half Texans over 21 and a half and saints over 23 and a half. Elliot, I love that you are the first person to come on the show and do a team totals money line parlay, because what I love about the expansion of sports betting is the new ways that we can bet. And this is something where I feel very much in control looking at your bets. The narrative was nice and simple there. And you're not necessarily the Falcons could lose by 20 and still score 22 points. And you're like, I'm all good right there. So it sort of limits your exposure on needing to pick someone to win the game. Absolutely. I'm just basically looking at offenses that I think are in really good spots regardless of game script and should be putting up points against some of the worst defenses in the NFL. Gotcha. Cool. So let's end this by playing a quick game of popcorn, looking at some of the games that are out there. Uh, we talked about Packers minus three and a half taken on Houston for me, bad loss for the Packers. I will be on them this week. Uh, Washington taken on Dallas. 
Washington minus one. Um, for me, no thank you on this game. Uh, just not interested in a whole heap of crap. And it made me chuckle. I stayed away from the Arizona Cowboys game, but I love when you hear the sharp side is on one of them and everybody was on Dallas. And to me, it very much reminded me of betting on Joe Flacco because we were betting on Andy Dalton if you were to do it. And to see them down by 100 points just sort of made me laugh. Yeah, that- this is a good bounce. Like you, you mentioned before, the bounce back opportunity for Dallas. But I can't pull this trigger with the fact that their offensive line went from one of the best in the NFL to one of the worst, right? Frederick retired. Tyron Smith is out. Lyle Collins is out. Zach Martin may not play. And the Washington front four is one of the best in all of football. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, a lot of people, one of the things that we've been talking about a ton is live betting, seeing these games in which there's a short spread. Boom. One of those teams goes up one way or another. You can bounce on the other side. No way do I want any part of this during the Cowboys game when they were down by like 20 plus points. People were like, are you willing to take the Cowboys? Zero percent. The goal is not to live bet crappy teams. The goal is to find teams who get down big, who are at home or good or who are favorites, who you say, oh, the Saints are down 20 to three to the Chargers. Yeah, I believe Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, they can find a way to come back. Absolutely. And then you can get like four to one on the money line or you can get them plus eight and a half. And you're like, the Chargers have a history of blowing games. The Saints have a history of coming back. Seahawks Vikings is another great one, right? When they were down 11 points, they got up to, I think, plus 250 on the money line. Uh, Give me Russell Wilson in a comeback situation where he has an entire half. Um, I'm with you. The, The other great thing I think you can do is with totals, you can see how the game script is setting up pretty nicely in live betting for halves of play. You know, if a team is up big, it can, you can get a lot of garbage time. If it's a close game, they, and both, both teams might be a little bit more conservative. So playing those live betting lines creates a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and I think what people miss in this is we live in the moment. So we see the Seahawks go down 11, and it's like, oh, my God, there's no way they can come back to this without realizing there's a lot of people sitting there with a Seahawks minus six ticket, and there's an entire game that still needs to be played. We so often just focus on this micro without realizing, yeah, there's ebbs and flows to these games, and it doesn't always – work out but remember we're just trying to hit 53 percent of these winners so if i'm now getting points with russell wilson sign me up for that yeah absolutely and i think again that goes back to what we started with too many people forget that 53 percent that's a profitable better right 55 percent is really good 60 percent is unheard of stop expecting people to win every single bet that's not how this works and you're you're trying to create positive expected value and russell wilson as a home underdog as the better team because they got off to a slow start in the first quarter is a positive expected value bet. Yeah. One thing that is usually not a positive expected value is anything around the lions and the Falcons. Both of these teams are great for live betting because they have a history of blowing double digit leads. But what do you do when they play each other? Well, for me, this is perfect for live betting because the Falcons minus two and a half. So either one, I could be on either one of these sides because whoever gets down, sign me up for them. Uh, The big thing for me is Julio Jones's health. That is the biggest thing that concerns me about the Falcons is when he's not in, they're not the same team offensively. Yeah, his, what he does for that offense, obviously his ability alone is absurd, right? I mean, he, he can create 14 points all by himself, but he just makes everyone better, right? Because then defense is focused on him, and now Cowan really opens up. The, the box becomes lighter because Julio Jones is on the field, so Todd Gurley is able to use his old legs and actually get some yards. Hayden Hurst is in a better spot, and Matt Ryan is an actual NFL quarterback. 
guys like Julio Jones have such a bigger impact than just their box score. And we saw it on that Vikings game where he it was the first time he was healthy and not on the injury report all year long. So the fact that he's healthy again this week goes back to my Falcons over 21 and a half play that I feel really good about. Uh, best game of the week. It looks like Titans right now are favored by one taking on the Steelers. I am seeing a one and a half somewhere. For me, this is a great opportunity. If you can get that one and a half and throw the Steelers in a teaser, move that thing up to seven and a half. Nice and easy there. Um, me being a Steelers fan, I very much have liked what I've seen out of them. I know the Titans, man, their run game is so good. Um, I just want to be cautious about the narrative of the Titans, because we're very much falling in love with the size of Derrick Henry. I know he's incredible. I know he runs for a bajillion yards, but I feel like there's just so much positivity on the Titans right now that anytime that happens, it just gives me a buyer beware. I mean, let's not forget that if the Texans complete a two-point conversion, right, they win the game. They did that to go up nine. They end up only going up seven. It goes up overtime, goes to overtime. The Titans get the ball first. Derrick Henry has a 53-yard screenplay, and the Titans win the game. If they don't and they lose to the Texans, they're probably not favored in this one. And I actually think the Steelers' defense really combats what the Titans do well. With Their, their front seven is the best in football. They, they also trust their guys on the outside. Joe Hayden uh, against A.J. Brown will be a fascinating battle. Jonu Smith is a huge part of that Titans offense. May not go in this one. They've really, outside of a couple big runs – they really – they dominate in adjusted line yards. Their blitz rate, their pressure rates, they're really unheard of. Uh, it's really going to be Big Ben, you know, taking advantage of a pretty mediocre Titans defense. Chase Claypool's come on and been phenomenal. Deontay Johnson could come back. I really like that call. On FanDuel, they're plus one and a half right now. About the six-point teaser I actually did that today with the Saints. I feel very confident in the Saints winning that game and the Steelers coming within a touchdown and what should be a really close back and forth game. So sometimes even when lines aren't the best to bet straight up, there's teaser opportunities. I really like that because you're teasing through those key numbers. And, oh, by the way, the Steelers would be a great live bet opportunity because multiple times this season they've gotten down early. So let's say the Titans get up 7 nothing. boom. Does that number move to Steelers plus 3, plus 3.5 now? There's where you can sort of pounce on this. And the last game I want to jam about, uh, Patriots laying 2.5 at home, taking on the 49ers. This was going to be my uncomfortable bet or my other option there because big win for the 49ers, bad loss for the Patriots. So for me, this is the perfect spot, both sides. Uh, the only concern I would have would be the stat that I read early on at the beginning of the podcast about favorites of two and a half points or less, just three and 14 on the season. This is an opportunity where could the 49ers win? Yes. But I do remember two weeks ago, everyone saying 49ers are a fade. We don't exactly believe in them. They have one good week. And now all of a sudden we're like, yeah, but don't worry about everything we thought about for the first few weeks of the season. So I'm going to be on the Patriots minus two and a half here. Albeit, I do feel a little uncomfortable about it. Yeah. I'm not going to play this game. I don't think, but I think that's the right side to be on. People are now, you know, whenever you have a team that loses in a popular uh, one of the legs of a parlay like the Patriots did as a, the biggest underdog to lose. And then the 49ers come out and bounce back and look great on Sunday night football with America watching. That's, that's always going to inflate lines. And this Patriots team is, I think just as good, if not, I think they are better than the 49ers. Plus you add in uh, the home field advantage. I think Bill Belichick will get them back. They also had a really rough week with all the COVID stuff prior to that and the facility shutting down. And that's not an issue right now. 
49ers travel across the country. Give me the Patriots minus two in that game. I agree on the, the short favorites, but I think they are. They should. I, I would probably line this game closer to three or three and a half. Elliot, really enjoyed jamming with you. Where can everybody connect with you? Follow me on Twitter at Elliot Chris, 1L1T, no H in Chris. You can find all my work on ftnbets.com, post picks. We've got all kinds of free data tools, parlay calculator, prop shop, find the best prop lines. It's Google search technology. Really encourage people to check out ftnbets.com. And I want to hear from you. What is on your NFL Week 7 card? Do you have a pick-a-loser, uncomfortable bet, or big Mick Moneyline Parlay? You can hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy. Make sure to use hashtag Sharp600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag at Covers. And every week, I love to thank the community for the interactions we have on social media. Every week, you guys show up on Twitter, and we jam about the games. One thing that would really help us bring new people into the community, jump on iTunes, throw us a bone, give us a rating and review. Let me know what you think about what we're doing because it really helps. And remember, you want to be sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The Bocadella Devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. If you like the way the sound pump, pump it in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.